You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. Thank you for listening, if you're listening. This is My Buffalo Blues, week one, post-mortem. I wasn't sure if I was going to do this show just because I write about it, and I have been for a while, and I didn't know if I wanted to double down and do a podcast version of the show, but we'll see how it goes, and if I like it, I'll keep doing it. If not... You know, I'll still do the weekly football stuff uh, for fantasy and for the Pick'em League. And we'll see how it goes. So, the Bills had a disappointing and frustrating home loss to the Steelers to kick the season off. 23-16. I mean, it was close, but it kind of wasn't close when it mattered. So, it's... Maybe a little bit of fool's gold with a couple of late field goals. Um, But let's get into, I guess, exactly what went wrong in this game. Um, If you're the Bills, it's the first time in a long, long time that the expectations for your team have been the Super Bowl. And a lot of... The national media, a lot of the analysts have either picked the Bills to go to the Super Bowl, picked them to win it, picked Josh Allen to be MVP. Some combination of those elements have been circulating throughout, you know, football media, throughout the whole offseason. And when Josh Allen signed the kind of contract extension that he signed... That was the Bills telling him and telling the rest of the league that this guy is an elite quarterback and we believe in his ability to take us to the Super Bowl. So realistically, anything less than a Super Bowl appearance is probably going to be viewed as a little bit of a setback. But if they make the AFC title game and lose, you know, that's really nothing to be ashamed of. They just can't lose the same way they lost last year. And if you look at the Steelers game, you know, on Twitter, a lot of these people that wanted to inflame Bills fans or that are fans of other teams that are natural enemies of the Bills wanted to look at this game and say that Josh Allen's overpaid, he's overrated, um, he's regressing, Yada, yada, yada. But this game wasn't an indicator that he's regressing. He did have some accuracy issues. Um, He missed Emmanuel Sanders on a deep ball that he should have connected with. He had some errant throws over the middle of the field into the sidelines. Just stuff that he made last year, stuff that he had been making 
in practice and stuff that we saw him make in the limited amount of preseason time that he had. And overall, he was 30 of 51 for 270 yards and a touchdown, which isn't terrible, but it's not great either. But it's also not MVP numbers. It's not, you know, 40-something million dollar a year numbers. But I think you have to look back at the game that they played last year with the Steelers where the Bills ended up winning. I think it was 25-16. Allen was, I want to say, 24 of 30-something in that game. Uh, Let me take a look really quick and I can tell you exactly. He was 24 of 43 for two touchdowns with a pick, 28 rushing yards, and a fumble. So he played very similarly against the Steelers team last year. And the Bills won, and there was no talk of him regressing or him playing poorly, really. It was just that the Steelers have a good defense. And that's still true. The Steelers still do have a good defense, and the addition of Melvin Ingram helped. J.J. Watt had a monster day, and Cameron Hayward is a beast still. And the Bills just, they weren't getting open enough, or Allen wasn't accurate enough, a little bit combination of the two. Um... And it made life hard on them. And the fact that Brian Dable, you know, threw the ball at least 51 times, but he called more than 51 pass plays because Allen tucked down, uh, I want to say maybe four. He had nine total carries, but probably half of those were designed quarterback runs or maybe busted looks right away or option plays. So Dable decided to at least commit to 51 passing attempts, but probably closer to 60. And there was only, I think, 15 handoffs to running backs and one to Isaiah McKenzie. So there was just no faith in the running game. Drafting a guy like Zach Moss and then having him inactive for this type of game doesn't make sense. Um, He played against the Steelers last year when the Bills won, and he didn't play incredible, but he played well enough. And you just need a bruising running back, especially in the second half, when you have the lead. And despite all the things that weren't going well for the offense, the Bills were up 10-0 in this game at halftime, and they closed out the first half with their best drive, and Josh Allen found Gabriel Davis with a really nice pass, scored the touchdown, and they took a 10-0 lead into the half. And then that's kind of where things fell apart. Coming out in the second half, the Steelers got the ball to start the half. And they went down the field and they got a field goal. Okay, you know, they were going to probably score eventually. They're a veteran team. They have weapons. Roethlisberger has been around for 18 seasons. He's going to find a way to put at least some points on the board. So it's 10-3 when the Bills get the ball back. And this is where I have had issues with Brian Dable over the last two seasons. Um, I was really critical of him last year because there were a number of games where the Bills had the lead and they refused to run the football and it just left a lot of opportunities for good teams to capitalize on that and 
the Bills were fortunate to not really have that happen to them last season. But if you go back and look at the playoff game against the Colts, that's exactly what happened. The Bills had the lead with an opportunity to take time off the clock and close the game out and didn't do it. So the Colts almost came back in that game. You know, they were maybe one or two plays away from almost making it happen. And the Bills defense showed up when they needed to and made the play. But sooner or later, when you leave enough opportunities out there like that, a good team is going to take advantage. And Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers were, I think, 12-4 and last year. They don't suck at all. And he's the kind of veteran quarterback that can take his team down the field and capitalize on those situations. So you can't leave those on the table. But anyway... 10-3, 10-3, Bills getting the ball back, and what do they come out and do? They throw on the first play, the first play of their possession, and it's to Diggs. He gets seven yards. That's fine. Then they go to Diggs again, incomplete. Go to Diggs again, they get nine. So they convert. They get a first down. Allen finds Sanders for nine yards. They get Singletary involved. He finally picks up three. Get another first down. Then it's Allen incomplete. Breda gets a little seven-yarder. Allen picks up another three to convert the first down. Um, Incomplete to Davis on first down. Breda picks up two. And now at this point, it's a third and eight at the Pittsburgh 35. And Josh Allen is incomplete, short over the middle to Cole Beasley. A throw that he should make here. But uh, those kind of throws were just not happening really all game long. So now it's fourth and eight at the 35. And Bills are up 10-3. You got Tyler Bass, who's got a big leg and showed that he's accurate. And this is a 52-yarder if they kick it. And they go for it on fourth and eight. And Allen is incomplete deep middle to Gabriel Davis. Um, I don't like that at all. For a number of reasons, but primarily because it doesn't favor the way that the game had been going. The Bills have been playing great defense, and you're making it harder on them to continue to do you favors when you give the Steelers good starting field position. So you kick that field goal there, you go back up 10, you kick off, and you have a nice two-possession cushion with only like five and a half minutes left in the third quarter. So the Steelers are still going to have to go down and score twice in order to take the lead in this game. Well, they would have they would have to score twice just to tie it, but it would still take a lot for them to take the lead. So you just protect the game that you've been playing and you give your defense the help it needs to continue to do what, they're, what they've been doing for the whole first half. And I mean, realistically, the field goal to start the second half is not the end of the world either. They'd only given up three points to that point. So kick the field goal, give your defense some help. I don't know why they didn't do it. I didn't listen to the post, uh, the post game press conference with Sean McDermott, but he said he was out coached and the moments like that are the reason why. So anyway, Pittsburgh takes over at their 36 there after, I think, yeah, they take over at the 36 and they go down the field and they get another field goal. So now Pittsburgh has scored on back-to-back drives. It's 10 to 6 and, you know, 
a touchdown now gives them the lead. So you're not as well protected. And the Bills are getting the ball on the kickoff with about a minute and a half left in the third quarter. And they come out throwing again, as they always do. Um, They mix in a little Singletary here. Allen runs for 11 to convert another first down. And then at the end of the third quarter, it's incomplete. So they start the they start the fourth quarter, second and ten, and they're throwing again. And it's complete to Diggs, and he gets seven yards, but he's pushed out of bounds. So uh, clock stops, I think, in that situation. Could be wrong. Uh, yes, I don't know. Maybe I'll delete that. Regardless. So it goes from second and ten to third and three, and then you have a uh, handoff to Breda on third and three, and he doesn't get it. So now they're sitting at the Pittsburgh 41. It's a fourth and one, and they draw up a run play. like a, It was like a stretch or something, but Breda gets the handoff, and he loses seven yards. I don't know how you lose seven yards on a fourth and one on a run play, but you didn't bring Matt Breda to town to pick up these short yardage conversions. That's a 41. That's sorry. That's a 58 yarder from the 41. So, you know, it's a little bit on the outside of Bass's range. So maybe you don't want to kick the field goal there, but just punt the football and go back to playing defense. It's still 10 to six at this point. And you can cough and corner this team and play defense and, burn time off the clock with only 13 minutes left and just play the possession game in your favor at that point. So if they're going to go for it on fourth and one there, you don't give it to Breda. You don't give it to your speed back to pick up power yardage. I wouldn't even give it to Singletary there if they were really going to run the football. Just figure something out for Allen. Either try and sneak it and get the yard and get a good push or spread them out in shotgun and see if you can catch them off guard with Allen, like trying to get a draw for a couple of yards or something, or a little swing pass out to the side and let one of your speed running backs try and make that play happen in open space. But to just try and run a power handoff to your speed running back was a tactical error, and it ended up costing a big time. So that's on McDermott, too. Um, now... Steelers take the take over at midfield basically. And Roethlisberger, you know, he can he can smell blood in the water. He's been here before. And on a third and seven, they get the benefit of a very soft pass interference call against Levi Wallace. Um all he has to really do there is get his head around and there's no flag. And this This rule against positional defense has become increasingly problematic for corners because you can play the position perfectly, get your body in position perfectly, but then any contact that happens is being initiated by the receiver, for the most part, when the receiver is turning around to make a play at the ball and the defender's not looking, the receiver's always going to be the one who's making a motion to go catch the ball. And so that puts the defender in this position where... They're doing the right thing technically, but because they're not looking at the ball, they're vulnerable to the initiation of the contact. And so the flag comes out, 
bails Pittsburgh out and sets him up at first and 10 on the 23. Najee Harris has his uh, best run of the day for 18 yards, but realistically, the Bills held him in check. He didn't do much, like... Just like they held Connor in check at the end of last season, I think Harris had maybe 40-something yards in the game. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, and I'm not going to look it up right now, but they did a good job on run defense. Uh, just take my word for it in case you didn't see it, but you probably watched it, so you know. And on first and goal from the five after that run, Roethlisberger finds Deontay Johnson again against Levi Wallace, and Wallace plays positionally very well but doesn't get his head quite around and the ball gets tipped and Johnson's able to just find it in the air and stay focused and he brings it in for a great catch in the back corner of the end zone it's frustrating because you know for the most part the defense was good and it was just a great play by Johnson and it was unfortunate so Pittsburgh takes the lead there and Buffalo basically handed them all the field position they needed in order to take the lead 13-10. And that's where things really kind of fell apart because um, the Bills' defense had been playing so well and keeping them in it, and the offense just played arrogant, to be honest. Like, they thought that their shit didn't stink and that they could just come out here and execute, and the Steelers' defense wanted it more, and that's all there was to it. Um, so the Bills come out down 13-10 now, Game still very much winnable, 11 minutes left. They can go take the lead with a touchdown. Not a big deal, right? But first and 10, short little pass. Second and 10, Allen incomplete. Um, and then on third and six, Allen gets sacked by Hayward. for he loses six yards. And so they're punting from their own 29. And the Steelers come out and block the punt. Not only do they block the punt, they return it for a touchdown. Now it's 20 to 10, and there's nine minutes left in the game, and that's feeling almost insurmountable at that point because the Bills had not played well enough in the second half, and really the offense hadn't played well enough the whole game to think that they could go down the field and score either two touchdowns or a touchdown and two field goals. It just didn't seem like it was going to happen. Um, so after... After the punt gets blocked and returned for the touchdown, the Bills actually do put together a, a decent drive, and they get a field goal out of it. But they get down to the Pittsburgh six, and on third and six, they throw to Singletary. He loses yard, fumbles out of bounds, whatever. But it's fourth and goal at the seven now. They're down ten, and they take the field goal with five minutes left. And so my problem with this is that earlier in the game where you had these fourth down situations that were much more vulnerable to the Steelers taking advantage. They decided to go for it and they didn't get either of them. And either one of those field goals or punts in those situations would have kept the Steelers backs up against the walls. The Bills would have had momentum. They would have had the cushion. So to kick the field goal here to all of a sudden be like, okay, now we're going to be conservative when we're down 10 points, didn't make any sense to me at all. If you're going to be aggressive and play a, a fourth down and go for it type of offense, and you're going to finally have a drive that gets you inside the Pittsburgh 10 and there's a touchdown possibly on the table, 
and you're not going to go for it there, why would you go for it the other two times on fourth down? That's what I don't understand. I understand, had they not gone for it on the other two fourth downs, I would totally understand passing up going for it on fourth down right here, getting the lead back to seven and trying to play defense and get the ball back one more time and just playing that conservative style. But it seems like they don't know what kind of philosophy they want on offense. Are they going to be this team that has this really great fourth down conversion rate like they did last year? Or are they going to use the offensive linemen that they signed and that they took out of the draft? And are they going to use the running back depth that they have to play smart, controlled defense and ball position or field position offense when they have the lead in the second half? And I think they haven't quite figured that out yet. And I mean, it showed, so they clearly haven't figured it out. But they take the field goal, they make it 23-13, and doesn't matter. Pittsburgh comes right back out and they take the field goal because it's fourth and ten at the Buffalo 27. They have the lead. They're up uh they're up seven at that point. But you think they're gonna go for it on fourth and ten from the Buffalo 27? No. They kick the lead, or they kick the field goal. It's a 45-yarder from Boswell. They make it 23-13, and at that point, it's a 10-point game with like two and a half minutes left. The game's over. So Buffalo goes down, and they get a meaningless field goal there. And it's another situation where they get to the Pittsburgh 24. It's first and 20 after a holding penalty. And they're like, all right, we're going to kick this 42-yarder and try to go for the onside kick and try to win the game. Or we're going to kick the field goal here and try to kick the onside kick and keep it within one possession. So that way, if we get the onside kick, we can maybe still potentially have the ability to win the game. If you're going to play to win the game, play to win the game. Do it when you had those fourth downs earlier in the game or <laughs> play aggressive at the end of the game where you're still down by 10. You still need a touchdown. You might, I, I get that time was winding down, but it's like this flip-flopping ideology. It, we saw it in the Kansas City game in the AFC Championship. Um, so to be in this position to start the season and to like still have these questions that need answering is frustrating. Um, and I believe that Sean McDermott is a good coach. I know he's a good coach. I've seen what he's done in Buffalo. Um, but he's not the offensive coordinator. And they need to find a way to get on the same page, especially late in ball games, Because as bad as the Bills may have played offensively in this game, they really didn't play that badly. And this was a winnable game all the way up until very late in the game. Just a couple decisions here and there could have totally swung this thing the other way, and they could have won this game just like they won the other games against Pittsburgh in a low-scoring, defense-first battle. Just like they had the last two years. Um, so it's really frustrating to see things play out that way and to just be faced with opportunity to do the smart thing, but to not do the smart thing and then later in the game, when you've basically thrown away your chances of winning, then to try to do the smart thing to give yourself a chance to win, it was extra frustrating because clearly they knew what needed to be done to maximize their chances of winning 
from a strategic standpoint, from a possession standpoint. But when faced with that opportunity in the third quarter, they just treated them both like they were dis- disposable possessions. And against a team like Pittsburgh that is good, experienced, led by a veteran quarterback who's won Super Bowls, that shit's going to bite you in the ass, and it did. So if there's nothing else to take away from this game, hopefully they learned how they want to manage these kinds of football games. Hopefully we see Zach Moss back in the lineup. Um, But realistically, Singletary didn't play bad. You know, he had 11 carries for 72 yards. He averaged six and a half yards a carry. Like, to think that the Bills can't run the football doesn't make sense. Like, they ran it, and they ran it effectively when they did. You have to give them the opportunity. If you're going to throw the ball 51 times, you're only going to run it 14 times. You think the Steelers are stupid? The Steelers love pass rushing. That's why they paid J.J. Watt. That's why they went out and got Ingram. They love to pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. Like, that's what the Steelers' defense does. So if you're going to tell them in advance, hey, we're going to run the ball 20% of the time, that's going to give the defense the opportunity to come out and do exactly what they did in this game. And I don't know. It's frustrating because it's a situation where The Bills got exactly what they asked for in this game. You're going to play arrogant. You're going to... You're going to play call in a way that challenges the best part of the Steelers' defense to step up. And then they step up, and you don't have any answers. Uh, Super frustrating. But it's a long season. That's only the first game in an extra long season this year. There's still 16 more games. So is that one loss kind of the make or break for the Bills? No. You know, the good teams, they understand what it takes to get deep in the season. I think the Bills know it. Like, they were there last year. They know what it's going to take from them to at least get back to the AFC title game. Uh... They made most of the correct offseason moves. I felt going into this game with Pittsburgh that the Bills had actually improved more than the Steelers had. Um, At least on paper, I thought they made all the right signings on defense. They made sure to extend their important lineman positions. Um, They brought in Spencer Brown to help with the run blocking, although if he's not on the field, it's not going to help. And those offensive uh, linemen, you know, they're taking it on the chin because they got caught with a lot of holding penalties. Um, They gave up a lot of pressure. So they're being criticized for not playing well. But again, they're throwing the ball 80% of the time. So when there's that many dropbacks and you have Cameron Hayward and Melvin Ingram and TJ Watt on the other side of the line of scrimmage, that's not a good recipe for victory. Like, sooner or later, they're going to beat you. And you're going to have to hold to protect your quarterback. And it happened early, and it happened often. And it sucks. But you move on, and you look towards the next game against the Dolphins. 
Um, and the Dolphins are coming off a narrow victory. They won by a point over New England. Um, so not the most impressive, but it's hard to beat New England in New England, especially for young quarterbacks. I don't want to be completely negative here, right? I still, I still love this team. I still believe in this team. And they did a lot of things well defensively. Like, this is the best that I've maybe seen the defense play maybe since the Pittsburgh game last year, or, well, at least the Baltimore game in the playoffs. Like, they played great in that game, and they played great in that Pittsburgh game last year, too. So we're starting to see that the defense that the Bills had a couple of years ago when they were one of the best defenses in the league, we're starting to see that again. But no defense is going to just hold up forever. And you want them to be a complement to the offense, but the offense is going to have to value their possessions more. You can't treat the game like it's disposable. You can't treat your opponent like you don't respect what they bring to the table. If nothing else, Brian Dable and Sean McDermott should have known that the Steelers' defense is their best asset. And that a game plan where they're going to come out and throw the majority of the time doesn't favor them. It just doesn't. I mean, it was a tough game when they played last season and they had already thrown the ball 40-something times in that game. Um, so you need balance. And the best drive that the Bills had in the second half was the one where they featured Singletary the most. So it's not rocket science. Like, you need to be able to keep the defense guessing. And when you don't, it allows a really good defense to key in on what you're doing, and they're going to blow up, you know, your short yardage run attempt for a seven-yard loss on a fourth down conversion. So, not that Brian Dable is going to listen to this, but I was on your ass last season about this. I'm going to be on it again this season. You need to learn how to close out games. When you have the ball and the lead in the second half, you need to run the football. The clock is your friend. If nothing else, just get the clock started and go from there. When you come out and you have an incomplete pass on first down, it's never a good idea. I get that Josh Allen is the man. I get that you want to feature him as the centerpiece of the offense. But you need to balance it out with the run game. I mean, a good example is Russell Wilson. That's a Seattle team that played defense, ran the football, and then Russell Wilson filled in all the blanks and created some magic with his legs. That was the recipe that won the Seahawks the Super Bowl. And then what happened the next year when they go back? Oh, time to feature Russell Wilson at the goal line, not give the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Interception, game over, don't win the Super Bowl. Seahawks haven't been back to the Super Bowl since. Paid Russ Wilson a ton of money. All those pieces on defense got older, got priced out, went away, Marshawn left, and they've been trying to find that identity ever since. And look at last year. Chris Carson playing great football early in the year. Russell Wilson's an MVP candidate. Carson gets hurt. And when Carson gets hurt, Russell Wilson's numbers go in the tank. So Russ went from being the MVP favorite at the beginning of the season last year to having 
a bunch of games down the stretch where he threw multiple interceptions because there was no balance to their attack. It was throw the ball all the time. And, you know, there's an old saying that when you throw the football, three things can happen and two of them are bad. (laughs) And... I mean, it sounds old school, especially in a new school offense where passing is the fancy thing to do, but take a look at Tampa Bay. Look what they did down the stretch last year. How did they win? Fournette, Ronald Jones started to run the football. In the playoffs, they ran the football. In the Super Bowl, they ran the football. You make life easier on Tom Brady. You make life easier on your defense when you run the football and control the clock. It's not rocket science. I don't know what else to say. The Bills seem to still struggle with this idea. And maybe they always will. I hope they don't. They have the pieces in place to make it work. And I want to see them play well. Josh Allen can still be the man throwing the ball 30 times a game. You know? You can still go downfield and have the kind of home run plays with play action. Uh, I don't know. It's disappointing, but like I said, it's a long, long season. The good teams know that they're the good teams, and it's just about getting their shit together by the time the playoffs start. The Dolphins don't suck, and you can bet the Dolphins remember getting their asses whooped by the Bills at the end of last season and missing the playoffs because of it. And they're going to want revenge. And they're going to look at the tape from this Steelers game. And they're going to try and duplicate what the Steelers did defensively. So the Bills need to be ready for this game. It's a huge statement game. If the Bills start the season 0-2, it's obviously not the end of their season, right? There's 15 games left. They could still easily make the playoffs with that much time left. But you don't want to go down two games in your division this early. Especially because if Miami improves from last year and figure, you know, they lead the division for a while, if they had 10 wins last year and they get better, figure they could maybe win 11, 12 games this year. And if that's the case, they're going to be in the company of the Bills for the division lead. So the Bills can't afford to be down two games this early. If they were to lose, it's better to do it early, but they need to go on the road into a hostile environment and remind everybody why they were in the AFC title game last year. You know, I think there was so much energy in Buffalo, so much, so much energy outside the stadium, inside the stadium. There was just this buzz around the team, like the Bills had been waiting Well, the Bills fans and the organization have been waiting so long for this kind of excitement. And especially with COVID last year, you know, the stadium wasn't full. They didn't have this kind of game day energy. They were having like 40,000 people at preseason games this year. So the Bills mafia was ready to just explode heading into this game they were so hyped up for this game and i think being a young team with a young leader 
and a fairly young head coach, you know, that energy starts to get to you. And it's not like they choked. They almost won. They had opportunities to win. But it's the first time probably in all these guys' careers where they're hearing before the season starts, before the game starts, how they're the favorites, how they're supposed to win, what they're supposed to look like, how the end of their season is going to look. You know, even though they were winning a lot of games last year, they were still looked at as usurpers. They were looked at like they were illegitimate last year and they had to earn everybody's respect and then they earned it. And now they have to deal with having the targets on their back and living up to the expectations that not just the organization has set for them, not just the media, but their fans. And as a Bills fan, I'm not the kind of person who was like, oh, they're going to go 17-0. and They're going to easily cruise through everything. I wasn't particularly worried about the Steelers because I figured it would go mostly like the first half went, and it did. And then all of a sudden the second half happened, and the Bills didn't make the right adjustments. And they were trying to blow the roof off the stadium, even though it has no roof. They were trying to get that pop in the second half. They were trying to respond with a knockout punch. And I think that's really where going for it on fourth down came from. They could sense the Steelers starting to put some things together. And they wanted the home run. They wanted that energy from the crowd to just wash over everybody on the field and to get the Steelers to quit. But the Steelers don't quit. That's not the way the Steelers play football. And the Bills know that. They should know that. They beat them two years in a row. Um, But you live and you learn. Tomorrow's a new day. And they're going to take the day off today. But I hope that Josh Allen's watching the tape. I hope that he is in contact with his guys. And they'll get back to work tomorrow and I expect an angry determined Bills team to show up in Miami and I respect Miami they have speed they have some talent they're young they're hungry too but I expect the Bills to show up and handle business so until next time if I do this again Take care, stay safe, go Bills.